0: Well, good evening, everyone. How are you? I want to welcome you to Parkview this evening. My name is Ray Kolbach. I'm the senior pastor here. And uh, I also just, <clears throat> before we get started, I want to give a shout-out to our overflow crowd downstairs. So let's give them a round of applause. We know you're out there, folks, and we're glad you're here as well. So the last thing my wife said to me before I left the house this afternoon was, Don't sing. You have five services to speak at. I was singing. I was singing. It's kind of hard not to, but uh, it, uh, it was really fun. So, uh, over the past few Sundays uh, of Advent, which are the four weeks leading up to Christmas, uh, as Kim mentioned, we've been talking about things like hope, faith, joy, uh, and love. Yet, I'll be honest with you, in many respects, it's been really hard for me to focus on those things when every day, most of the news I hear from across the globe revolves around conflict, violence, war, terrorism, execution, racism, and injustice, you know what I mean? Um, From lands far away like Iraq and Syria to places closer to home like New York City and Ferguson, Missouri, it seems no matter who we are or where we're from as human beings, we have a very difficult time getting along, to say the least. And I I find it personally disconcerting And, and I'll often say to my wife, why, why can't we all just get along, you know? Uh, The great 20th century author W.H. Auden said, here's the reason. He said, in our world there will always be enemies, those who hate for hate's sake. And so he penned the poem, there will be no peace. Or as poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow lyrically expressed it, hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And yet... You know, during this season of the year, we all get together and we talk about peace, we sing about it. In fact, the message of Christmas, you know, the message of Christianity centers on this very notion that peace is possible. But there are some in our our world who question that, understandably so. They question whether any religion can bring about peace on earth with a select few actually blaming religion. Uh, for much of the hate, oppression, and violence we see played out around us every day. Uh, Their contention is uh, that religion promises peace, but only leads to conflict. And in many cases, they're right. And so, some are hoping that religion will one day fade away. In the meantime, a handful would like to see it forbidden or controlled. Others want to privatize it and keep it out of the public square. But none of those things are ever going to happen. And here's why. Religious belief uh, continues to be on the rise all around the world. Secularism has predicted that as science and technology advances, humanity's need for God will become obsolete and eventually diminish, but that isn't happening. The fact is belief in God is increasing. Man's search to know his creator is intensifying. Even atheist scholars have become believers Dr. Anthony Flew, known as the greatest philosophical atheist, abandoned disbelief. And just before he died, a couple years ago, when he finished his last book, he entitled it, There is a God, How the World's Most Notorious Atheist Changes His Mind. And with intellectual honesty, Flew argued, the rationality we unmistakably experience, ranging from the laws of nature to our capacity for rational thought, cannot be explained if it doesn't have an ultimate ground which can be nothing less than an infinite mind. I have to go where the evidence leads me. Here's my point. Religion is here to stay. In terms of forbidding it or controlling it, well, as many of us realize, that's been tried. It's been tried by Soviet Russia, Communist China, Cambodia, North Korea, uh, with the results being the same, just more oppression, more prejudice, more violence. In short, secular attempts at suppressing religion have made matters worse. Uh, In his book, The Twilight of Atheism, Oxford historian Dr. Alistair McGrath writes, the 20th century gave rise to one of the most distressing, distressing paradoxes in human history. The greatest intolerance and violence were practiced by those who believed religion caused intolerance and violence. In other words, he says, secular attempts to stomp out religion doesn't bring peace. Just more pain, tyranny, and injustice. And so there are some who suggest we privatize religion, you know, asserting that if people just keep their mouths shut, you know, and their beliefs concealed, never bring them to work, never bring them into politics or public discourse, the world will be a much more peaceful place. But that's just unrealistic. Why? Because everyone carries with them a set of unprovable faith assumptions. You know whether you're, whether you're an atheist, an agnostic, uh, a Hindu, a Muslim, Christian, it makes no difference. We all have certain beliefs about our world, about who we are, about why we're here, about the meaning of life, and those beliefs shape our values, our decisions and our behaviors. And therefore to suggest that religious people alone should keep their beliefs to themselves isn't merely unreasonable, it's unfair. Stephen Carter, is a well-known law professor at Yale University, he writes: Any efforts to craft a public square from which religious con- conversation is absent, no matter how thoughtfully worked out, will always, in the end, say to those of organized religion that they are alone. They alone, unlike everybody else, must enter public dialogue only after leaving behind that part of themselves that they may consider the most vital. In other words, Carter is saying: He's saying, "Look, we all hold certain beliefs." about life, about death, about the origin and meaning of existence, and it's impossible for anybody, religious or irreligious, to leave those beliefs behind and not have them influence their day-to-day values and opinions and, and, and decisions, really all aspects of their lives. And so what does this tell me? It tells me that secularism, tells me that atheism, it, it doesn't bring peace uh, because it, it looks down its nose at religion, Um, and often ends with intolerance and, in some cases, violent oppression. Yet religion doesn't bring peace on earth either because it looks down its nose at secularism and often ends with intolerance and, in some cases, violence and oppression, sometimes pitting religion against religion. So where does that leave us as human beings in terms of any hope for peace? For me, me it's not so much about where it leaves us, but where it leads us, which is directly to Jesus. And you may say, well, hold on a second, man. You just said religion doesn't bring peace. It doesn't. Not publicly or personally. And that may seem weird for me to say to you, but understand religion represents man's attempt to earn God's love and acceptance by way of moral performance, by by being good enough, by, by working hard, keeping a set of rules and ceremonial rituals. Religion is about proving your worthiness to God and demonstrating superiority over others. In religion, we measure ourselves against each other uh, by the way we dress, by the way we talk, the things we do, the things we don't do, figuring, figuring if I can prove that I am better than you, I have a better shot at God accepting me. And so we rush to judge one another and ma- to make ourselves feel better and more spiritual. We, we, we pressure Uh, those who are different, to conform to our standards and to our preferences, our liturgies, our traditions, our codes of conduct, and if they don't, we hold them in contempt. With religion comes uh, insecurity, you know, a lack of spiritual confidence because you just never know when and if you've performed well enough, if you've been good enough, if you've been moral enough. You're, You're just never sure. You're never sure if you're really and truly loved and accepted by God. And so you journey through life with a, A debilitating degree of uncertainty, uh, which breeds guilt, it breeds fear, uh, frustration, disillusionment, it kills joy and brings peace to no one. But here's the deal while religion is about impressing God through human effort, biblical historical Christianity is about having a relationship of peace with God founded on grace, unmerited favor. Now, I realize, look, I realize this may all seem a bit heady for Christmas Eve. And so, if you've come hoping for some warm, fuzzy, religious sentimentality, I'm sorry to disappoint you. But the reality is this. Beneath all the holiday uh, sentiment, uh, the fun, the parties, the food, the music, the lights, the presents, the vacation days, beneath it all, Christmas is ultimately about something profoundly significant, And it calls us to evaluate what we believe. And so my Christmas gift to you is this moment to pause and think. And you might say, well, I'd rather have a coupon for Chick-fil-A or, you know, uh, some nice socks or something like that. And I get that. I get it. But in the midst of all the holiday chaos, it just seems to me we need a moment. You know, we need a moment because in humanity's search for peace, Christianity alone offers what we're looking for. With it comes spiritual security. You know, we can, we can be sure of God's love and acceptance and live with a joyful confidence because where religion is all about you, Christianity says your life is saved by someone else's. It's all about Jesus, who he is, what he's done. It's the work of the Son uh, that brings peace between us and God the Father. And when we understand that, when we experience that reality, that inner peace, it leads to outer peace. I've heard it said before, a soul at peace will be at peace with others. And I don't know, that makes a lot of sense to me. So here's my holiday question for you. What do you think about Jesus? Look, no one disputes his life or his impact on history. But many people struggle with his claims, which are definitely unique. Founders of other religions came as teachers, not saviors. They came saying, do this and you'll find the divine. Jesus came and said, I am the divine, come to find you. To do for you what you cannot do for yourselves, graciously rescue you and give you life eternal. Understand, the good news for all people is that we're rescued not by what we do, but why, what Christ has done. That's what makes the good news so good. And therefore, Christianity is not a performance deal. It's not religion. It's not irreligion. It's something else altogether, something completely, completely unexpected. Because man cannot flawlessly ascend to God, there's only one logical solution. God himself must descend to us. As incredible and outrageous as it may seem, deity must quite literally, graciously, miraculously enter history, and assume the burden of humanity's rebellion in order to redeem us. I mean, it's an, it's a, it's an inconceivable yet magnificently brilliant, even poetic, idea. Author and poet J.R.R. R. Tolkien, who wrote The Hobbit, once said, The incarnation of God is an infinitely greater thing than anything I would dare to write. The story is supreme. The story it is true. You know, sometimes at Christmas, as we consider the birth of Jesus, the incarnation, uh, at least me, I find myself wanting to explain the whole event to everybody, you know, to kind of demystify the story. And then I realize the reality is this, there is mystery in the story. I mean, there's mystery in our world, there's mystery in God, there's mystery in new incarnation, there's mystery in resurrection, there's mystery in eternal life, and I can't... I can't explain all of those things to you. I can't prove all of those things to you, and I risk trivializing divine mystery uh, if I attempt to do so. But I admit, I I admit the prospect of of a guy being born of a virgin, claiming to be God in the flesh, offering himself as the sacrifice for sin, suffering unjustly, dying on a cross, being buried and resurrected to life to bring peace to those who believe is strange. In some respects, it's illogical. It's an incredible story that has undeniably changed history but is nonetheless difficult to accept, especially in the context of cultural modernism. It seems irrational, it's just really hard to believe. But just because something is really hard to believe or explain doesn't make it false. For example, I can take my phone uh, and I can, this is, that's attached to nothing except my fingers. And I can tap it a few times, hit send, and a friend on the other side of the world immediately gets a message from me. I can hit some numbers and suddenly I can see them on my my phone. They can see me. I don't know how that works. Where does it all go? I have no idea. I can't explain it. It's hard to believe that it works, but it really does. And we use them every day. Over the past few weeks, I've... I've been really struggling with this respiratory infection. I've been coughing all the time, and it's, it's, it's hard for me to grasp how a virus, something I can't see, makes me so sick. But it's true. Just because something is hard to see or hard to explain or hard to comprehend doesn't make it false. Here's my point. Do you believe in God? Do you believe in God? Like more than 90% of Americans, I'm guessing most of you do, And if you're right, if God is real, then he must be beyond our full comprehension. Yeah? If he exists, then it's only rational that miracles are possible. Things uh, can happen that I can't fully explain. If God is God, and he's created all things around us, then he has the ability to do the extraordinary, the supernatural, and violate the physical laws of this universe that he himself created. Dr. John Lennox is a very well-known and respected scientist and professor of mathematics at Oxford University. He's also a follower of Jesus, and he writes, if there is no such thing as a supernatural being, God, there is no need to discuss the miraculous. But he says, if God is real, then the laws of nature predict what's bound to happen only if God does not intervene. To argue the laws of nature make it impossible to believe in the existence of God and the possibility of his intervention in the universe is plainly fallacious. It's false. Here's my Reiki summary. uh, Lennox was saying, if God doesn't exist, there is no such thing as miracles, case closed, no need for discussion. But if God does exist, then there's no need to discount the supernatural. And therefore, the incarnation merely assumes God's reality and his ability to intervene in our world and perform the miraculous. As the Apostle John summarizes it all, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Deity coated himself into humanity, which again brings us back to Jesus. I mean, what do you think about him? I mean, if he was just a man... Then his claims to deity, his claim to forgive sin, his, his claim to bring us peace, all of it, it was all nothing more than the rantings of, a, of an insane person. But if he was and is the true Son of God, then his promise to br- bring peace warrants serious consideration. Jesus himself said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Now maybe it would be help to clara- uh, it would be helpful to clarify what's meant by peace, because we often define peace as that moment when everybody stops to reload. You know what I mean? Or it's the absence of conflict when, when we're not fighting uh, anybody else. And, and that's an important part of it, obviously, but the peace that Jesus offered, the peace proclaimed by angels on the night of his birth, represents more than just a lack of conflict. In fact, remember what the angels said. They said, "Glory to God on the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom His favor rests." And the Greek term that's used there in the the original uh, text refers to a tranquility of mind and spirit that transcends all circumstance and finds its basis in a right relationship with God. But notice, this peace doesn't automatically come to anyone, but to who? To those on whom his favor rests. In other words, the application of God's peace is specific. His unmerited favor, his grace, rests on those who embrace the gift of his son. Born to live the perfect life we could never live. To die the death we deserve to die. Jesus offers peace from God to those who accept forgiveness. He makes peace with God for those who surrender in faith and brings the peace of God into the lives of those who follow him. A peace that transcends our our, our circumstances and lasts forever. On a personal level, this means that an opportunity for you to experience a right relationship with God who the God who created you the God who loves you is possible. You don't you don't earn it, you don't buy it, you don't bargain for it, you don't manipulate it, you don't work out for it. You simply you simply receive it. And so as Christmas draws near, I can't help but wonder how are you with God these days? Maybe things with you and God are good spiritually speaking. You've been freed from this religious performance narrative that is just so debilitating and discouraging. And you understand, finally understand the truth of God's grace. You've embraced it. You've embraced Jesus. You're growing in faith and have a deep sense of his love, his forgiveness, his God's closeness and peace. And if that's true, that's great. But maybe things aren't going so well with you and God. Maybe you feel distant from him. You're experiencing a sort of spiritual disconnection, an emptiness, a lack of direction, a lack of inner peace, you know that something's missing. Maybe you've never had any kind of relationship with God to begin with. Or maybe, maybe the one you had has been sidetracked by arrogance or rebellious, unhealthy, unwise choices you've made. And yet down deep inside, you long to re- reconnect with your God and you sense the need to do so. But perhaps you fear he might not want to reconnect with you. And if that's the case, listen to the words of the Apostle Paul who wrote to the church and said this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near. For Jesus himself is our peace and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father. In short, peace with God is possible. He wants you to know that. He wants you to experience it. But as Christian author and thinker C.S. Lewis once put it, God cannot give us peace and happiness apart from himself because there is no such thing. Now, I realize we're all here for different reasons. Some of us are here because our families made us come. Some are here because we're, we're invited by friends. Some of here are here out of tradition. Some of you came because you drove by the sign recently and figured, hey, uh, being in church on Christmas Eve is probably not a bad idea, probably a good thing to do whatever the reason, uh, I'm glad you made it. And, and whether, whether you're from a Jewish background or Presbyterian or Roman Catholic or Buddhist or Baptist or Lutheran or Methodist background, or even if, even if you have no religious affiliation at all, never have, here's the good news. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because Christmas at its core is not about ecclesiastical affiliations, traditions, or denominations. With Jesus, it has always been about relationship, not religion. It's about grace, not guilt. And so if you remember only one thing, I say this evening, remember this. In a world filled with conflict and despair, Christmas is God saying to all of us, I love you you matter to me. And I want i want you to know me as well as I know you. In short, God says, I want there to be peace between us forever. And that peace is found in and through my Son, the Savior, the light of the world, whose name is Jesus. Let's pray together, shall we? Our Father, I don't think any of us here tonight would disagree with the fact that our world is a troubling place. And even in recent days, we've seen such acts of hatred and injustice and violence perpetrated uh, by person against person for whatever the reason. And it just represents the brokenness of our humanity. And in the context of that brokenness, it's only reasonable to wonder, is peace on earth really possible? And Christmas says it is. But not in the way we think, necessarily. Peace comes from you. Peace comes through Jesus. A peace unlike anything the world can offer us. Because of your grace, because of your love, you've sent Emmanuel, God with us, to offer us life. And as we embrace him, as we experience your grace, that inner peace begins to change us. And a spirit at peace is at peace with others. I can't think of anything more our world needs tonight than to experience your peace, the peace of Christ. And so, Lord, we, we want to worship you tonight. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for your love and grace. Thank you for Jesus. It's him we, we pray. For, uh, we pray in his name. Amen. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever believes in me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And that's what Christianity is about. It's not about, it's not about your works. It's not about your efforts. It's about the grace of God extended in Jesus. And the only, the only way, that you, the only thing you need to do to, to experience it is embrace it and trust in Him. And that's what it means to be a Christian. It's not religion. It's about relationship. It's not about guilt. It's about grace. I hope you understand that. And that's the message of Christmas. So I want to thank you for being with us this evening. And uh, I hope you have a great evening, a great a day tomorrow with family and friends. Make sure you, you hug and, and, and kiss and Tell those you love that you love them and you you have a wonderful time together. Uh, In a moment, we'll we'll extinguish our candles. And just so you know, there's some receptacles right through the back doors. You can put them in there, okay? But thanks for coming. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the evening. Let me pray for you. And now, Lord, as we go back out into the world, may we go with a, with a, a sense of your peace in our lives a peace that transcends all understanding, a peace that the world cannot give us, a peace that's found only in Jesus. May your favor rest on your people tonight. May your hand of grace strengthen them and grant them peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for being here. Merry Christmas.